0: In this week's update, a perspective on lithium, the reality of smart investing, so many different ways to do it, and the outlook for market sentiment. My name is Gary Davis. As always, this is General Advice Only, and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, let's start with the market perspective. The US earnings are coming through uh, reasonably mixed, but generally okay. No disasters, and hence the market is, um, is edging up. The average um, earnings uh, has been has shown a decrease of 6.2%, but that really is not a very relevant number because it's across all sectors, and there is a very wide dispersion of uh, of results on a on a sector and industry group basis, and, and even on a stock basis as well. So we've seen plenty of um, stocks that have been hit fairly hard on their uh, on their miss of expectations but we've also seen uh, plenty of stocks richly rewarded as well. So it's the relativity to expectations that matters, plus the outlook for growth. They're, they're the two key things that the market is looking for. So if you're sometimes confused by a company that might show particularly good growth, but the share price gets gets hit, then it's really not the absolute result. It's it's what's what's in the expectations, both for now and for the future, that's important. So, what you buy and how you buy it depends very much on on your purpose, uh, your time frame, and also your aims and, and objectives. Now, a lot of people, when I ask them what you know what their purpose is with a particular transaction, sort of scratch their head and say, "Well, it's to make money, of course." But it's it's a lot more nuanced than that. You know, just making money is is not an adequate purpose. You've got to be clear on what the expectations are for that particular trade in terms of timeframes and returns and volatility and all those sort of things. Now the point that I'm, I'm leading to here is that you can do incredibly well in the market in many, many different ways. There is no silver bullet way to do well in the market. It just, it doesn't exist. Most people don't manage to achieve that success because they lack the focus and the discipline to devise the thesis and then let the thesis play out. Because the market is always throwing curveballs at us, and it's very easy to get, you know, distracted, thrown offline, despondent, you know, all the whole range of emotions. So just to give you a a, a bit of an idea of what I'm talking about, if you're a long-term investor and I'm talking 10 years plus sort of time frame. Then you can just buy absolute quality where that quality has got mega trend tailwinds, and do it when sentiment is, you know, is on the poor side when the price has maybe come off 20, 25, 30 percent because of general market conditions or because of a certain perception about the stock itself. Um, and and some of the results, if you look over time over the last. Ten or fifteen years, some of Australia's um, stocks that are regarded as as really high quality and have been regarded that way for a long period of time, have provided tremendous returns since the GFC. You know, in in the order of you know averaging somewhere between fifty and hundred percent per annum for more than a decade. You know, they're extraordinary returns, but it's not easy to do because sentiment is going to Wax and wane on numerous occasions. So you've got to be very clear about what you're doing, you've got to be very patient. The next approach is to look at trying to identify the emerging stars. So if you've if you've feel that you've missed the bus on getting on stocks like CSL or REA Group, um, then you can try your luck at identifying the stocks that are going to grow into the next CSL. It's hard to do, um, and you'll have a lot of volatility to contend with until the market starts to get really comfortable about the quality of that stock. It's helped by the fact if you've got really superstar management, because they can do wonderful things with you know a more average company. So that's probably the most important criteria there, the megatrend tailwinds and having star management. And there's a number of other ways that you can go about it as a long-term investor as well. Uh, you could even, if you've got the stomach for the volatility, you can even try and buy the you know, emerging star mining stocks and give them 10 years to, uh, to play out. So many, many different ways to do it. It just requires the clarity. Now for everyone else, which is the bulk of the population that lack the patience all the time to do what I've described in point one, then you're going to need help in selection of the stock, in the entry technique, in the management of the stock once you're in there, and I'm talking about potentially taking periodic profits. And also to keep your perspective sharp on the market um, because it's extremely difficult to do that on your own unless you are fully immersed in the market, you are very clear and very experienced um, in what you're trying to do so that you can just shrug off some of the shorter-term things. And one great example at the moment is the last three or four months has been really tough for lithium stocks. They were they were fantastic in 21 and 22, but... Um, it's been a very difficult period, and it can shake your confidence. And you've got to be really clear about the longer term outlook to stay the journey with those sort of stocks. But it can be done. Most people are going to need assistance with that. So it's really that perspective on the market to know when to play hard and when to step back from the market. they're all concepts that I'm sure anyone that's watched this video for more than a few months has heard me say on numerous occasions, but it is just so important. Let's turn to um, the results for the week. The S&P gained uh, 0.9% and finished the week in in great style. The The economic data supports the Fed raising rates next month by another quarter percent, but equally the consensus is that that's getting pretty close to the finish. The strong earnings um, to end the week, um, particularly in the tech sector, were, um, were encouraging. And certainly, that's, um, that's feeding through to an improving sentiment. The US dollar index um, was steady, maybe down just a touch, 101.67. The yield got up to almost 3.6, but it's back to 3.4 now. The VIX, down under 16. Um, so I'm almost getting a little concerned that the market's getting a little too complacent. Um, so we could see a bit of volatility. May is a great time for that volatility to, to raise its head. But I wouldn't get too engrossed in, um, you know, in the sell in May and go away theme. The, the uh, analysis of the data over decades um, shows that there's a bit of a bias there. But if, you've, if you're in the right sort of stocks, that have got a good outlook, then you know the fact that we're going into May doesn't really matter too much, and the ten-year spread uh, was stayed pretty much the same at uh, 0.6. So certainly, all the indications are that the U.S. economy is um, is heading for some sort of recessionary conditions, whether they be mild or or um, or more or more deep. All right, let's go and look at some charts. We'll start with the S&P. Uh, you can see very good days, Thursday and Friday to finish. A lot of that around um, around really good earnings, earnings results. Um, but look, the key charts I want to look at uh, today, or just before I leave this chart. So we had a downtrend that really ended in the middle of October 2022. We then went into an uptrend that then... Um, fell out of that uptrending channel and is now appears to have formed a channel at a slightly lower level. So that's just the reality of, of where the market is at the moment. Now, encouragingly, all the shorter-term moving averages are now pointing up. The green line is the 20, the blue line is the 50, and the red line is the 200. They're all stacked in the right order, and the, and the index value is above all of them, so there's no question. the the S&P index is in an uptrend. But I thought this was really interesting as well. So this is over uh, the last um, uh, 12 months. And it shows the NASDAQ versus the S&P versus the Russell, which is the Russell 2000, which is um, small cap stocks in the States. Now, that, you know, that looks fairly um, consistent across the last 12 months, but it's really the last three months that I want to zero in on because that really shows quite starkly what has happened to the US market over the last three months. So the NASDAQ clearly outperforming the S&P by a considerable margin. But the really interesting thing, and I alluded to this last week, is that the breadth of the market has fallen quite a lot. And there's um, there's plenty of small caps that are forming uh, new 52-week lows, and small caps in general are lagging the larger caps. So on the one hand, you can look at that and say, well, that's not a very healthy market. The breadth is narrowing, and we're certainly seeing some divergences um, in um, in volumes and and price movements. So setting setting higher highs, but setting lower lows on, on, on volume, or sorry, lower highs on volume. So that's something that I'm I'm watching closely. Um, but um, for the moment, the, the tech sector is doing really well, and we'll have a look at that in a minute in more detail. But when you see that the money is flowing towards the NASDAQ in preference to other sectors, then you know that the market sentiment is um, is in reasonably good shape. This is a weekly chart, large cap growth versus large cap value. So these are just variations of the same thing that's just validating that, that money is moving readily into the more aggressive sectors of the market. NASDAQ 100 versus the S&P, not much change um, in the last uh Uh, sorry, uh, we were in downtrend, but we have kicked up a a bit in the last uh, few days, kicked up quite nicely. Uh, This is the sector chart over the last um, three months. And you can see clearly technology has taken off. Um, Consumer services has also really taken off in the uh, the last week. And Staples is in there as well, so it's a bit of an interesting mix. And bringing up the rear, we've got financials, energy, and materials. So um, you know, clearly technology is getting the nod from the market at the moment. And this chart that I always, uh, always look at every single day is semiconductors versus the S&P. Medium term, it's in a very powerful uptrend. Short term, it was in downtrend. But there are other indicators, um, particularly around the earnings results and a lot of in, the individual stock charts that would suggest that this sector is about to, to turn up again. And um, yeah, that's, I think that's I've covered that in the previous chart. Now, just to um, highlight a couple of key stocks, this is Microsoft. Uh, you can see really robust breakout. It's been building up for um, this goes back to virtually 12 months of, uh, of base forming. And we finally broke out on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday after the Microsoft results, which is really interesting because you can see the market was selling off leading into the results and then gapped higher massively. So um, Microsoft easily beat expectations. So caught the. Um, Caught Wall Street a little bit off guard. Similarly, Meta uh, also came in with results that um, that beat expectations considerably, and again a massive gap higher in these stocks. So that's a bit of color on the U.S. market. If we look at um, if we look at the uh, DXY, uh, the U.S. dollar index on a uh, weekly chart, then uh, you can see we've got. Um, uh, we've got not a lot of change in the last uh, the last few weeks, and turning to the Australian dollar, we finished at uh, sixty-five and a half, so not a lot of change there either. So sixty-five point five. Our index was down point three, but one would expect that uh, that the index will kick up on Monday. I want to show you a relative comparison chart on the Australian market, which shows that tech and healthcare are now the clear leaders over the last quarter. But also, I think there's a, there's a really strong case to be made that selected small cap groups are really primed for takeoff. Just starting to see the signs now that support is coming back into the market. And it makes sense because small caps, in general, are a reasonably hated sector, an avoided sector of the Australian market. So we'll start with um, the ASX 200 down, as I said, 0.3. But the key chart that I want to look at is uh, materials were down. So this is, um, this is the, the key Australian sectors, healthcare, energy, technology, materials, then the XJO itself, which is the A6200, and then finance at the bottom. So that's over the last 12 months. But let's zero in a bit and have a look at the last quarter to see where the money is flowing in Australia. And you can see the technology sector is really starting to take off. That really started uh, around about the middle of uh, March. So we're about six weeks in, and it's absolutely roared up. Healthcare has also done really well. Um, So both of those clearly outperforming the ASX 200. And over the last quarter, we've seen energy, finance, and materials as lagging. Now, that XMJ, that's really largely the the iron ore price coming down and how that's impacted uh, BHP, Rio, and Fortescue. But uh, that's how the Australian market sits uh, currently. Turning to precious metals, Gold was up a little bit, um, up $6 to 1990, but if you translate that into Australian dollars, we're now back clearly above 3000 again. So highly profitable territory for our uh, our gold miners. When we look more broadly at um, at the global stocks, GDXJ, they're doing okay from a trend perspective, but they're not exactly setting the world on fire. But it's the Australian gold stocks. That's where the action is. So if you're interested in, in gold, um, gold stocks, then I think at the moment, probably forget the overseas guys and, uh, and stay with the Australian ones. So there is gold on a weekly chart. You can see up slightly. And it's just, it's, you know, we've been around this level now since the middle of March. So six bordering into seven weeks now where the gold price has really just fluctuated around this $2,000 level. And you just get the feeling that it's just coiling to, to break out. And this is a weekly chart, so we could still be multiple weeks away. But um, uh, the way that it's looking is that it's, it's building momentum for a breakout. Not much different if you look on the, on the daily chart. And just have a quick peek at silver as well. Silver still, um, still doing quite well. Now, if we look at um, just the global sentiment indicator, GDXJ, as I said, it's okay, but there's a lot of Australian miners and and advanced developers that are looking a heck of a lot better than that chart. Other commodities, copper was down uh, to 388, um, despite the fact that the US dollar was pretty unchanged. So it's really a a bit of a reflection on, on the recession fears nickel down a touch. But what I am seeing now is interesting copper stocks. So copper stocks have been languishing for a couple of years. People have been waiting for the activity to pick up. And you really, you know, if, you've, if you're watching 20 plus copper stocks, it's undeniable. You can see the momentum starting to build in, uh, in copper stocks. Crude oil, uh, 76.6, uh, was down about a a dollar or so from last week. Now, I want to have a look at lithium, as I mentioned at the start. There's, there's an unbelievable opportunity in lithium. I know it's been a hard period. And this is just when your ears want to go up, when everybody else is starting to you know, turn their backs. They've been disappointed in lithium. The, the media is still saying that the lithium boom is over. The headlines just in the last couple of days have, have still been trumpeting the same theme you know, forget about lithium. Well, that's exactly when you want to start to get really interested in lithium, when people start to to turn away and look elsewhere. And the best time to enter a sector is when the herd hates it, but when the fundamentals are turning around. And we had results from um, IGO and PLS and and also Min Resources uh, through the week that really gave us some insight into the lithium sector in Australia. Um, I think everyone does accept, or should accept, that critical mineral supply is critical when you look out over the, the longer term. There are some short-term challenges, for sure. But it really is critical in so many areas um, that, um, that you know that's the main driver. And the second main driver is that, as distinct from all previous cycles that I can remember over the last 35 years, Governments this time are going to clear the way. They're going to do whatever they have to do, and they have to do plenty because it's almost impossible for just about all the, the key um, energy transition metals to be in balance um, through to the end of the decade. So governments are going to have to continue to clear the way with massive amounts of, uh, of money and um, you know, doing whatever they need to do in terms of, of policy to get the job done now the majors um, are moving their the acquisition cycle is in full uh, full swing the the super super big guys are, are buying up the the less um, lesser um, size companies but still you know relative majors that will filter down the line uh, now's a great time for them to acquire particularly some of the um, you know some of the more advanced, developers or some of the developers that, that have still got a long way to go, but there's no question that they've got a tremendous world-class resource on their hands. The prices are well down. This is a great time for the majors to be um, to be acquiring. And I think what I've been doing over the last couple of years is identifying developers in each one of these categories that have got the X factor. The factor that's, that's going to make the market notice, that's going to make uh, potential acquirers take notice because they're the ones they're going to go after that can, um, that can give them scale. So that's the opportunity uh, in lithium uh, and in other commodities as well. If we look at the lithium majors, the short-term results and the outlook for the next two quarters remain challenging. Now prices of lithium products have come down very significantly anywhere from 35, 40% to 70%, depending on the the particular data that you're looking at. And that has impacted the company's results. But nevertheless, we've gone from extraordinary down to just really super good. So they're still great results. The outlook will be a little challenged for the next couple of quarters, but there certainly is um, plenty of evidence that, that the bottom is in and, and prices of, Pilbara Mines, IGO, rose very enthusiastically, uh, throwing Alchem as well um, on these results. So whilst the news, if, if you read the report, you'd be disappointed. But the response in the market was something quite different. And that's when you know that the bottom is either in or it's very close. So I think that's where we sit in the lithium sector at the moment. There's a structural deficit. going to to unfold in lithium, there's no question about it. Mines just um, do not and cannot be bought on as simply as many analysts think they can. So we're going to remain in that deficit situation which means very buoyant uh, lithium product prices and therefore very good profits for the producers. To tap into that opportunity, you just need a plan, you need realistic expectations about, the volatility, how prices move around, and you need a very disciplined perspective, um, and that's something I've certainly been doing in my um, my services, um, and will continue to do so because I, I can't remember in three decades an opportunity that is as attractive and as high probability as what we've got on our hands at the moment with this energy transition. This is spot copper chart, so came off a little bit during the week. The inventory levels ticked up a little bit, which is possibly why the also why the copper price uh, did edge down. But look, we're still at, if you looked on a five-year chart, we're still at, uh, at extreme low levels in terms of copper inventory. There's the nickel chart, not much change there. And uh, nickel inventory levels continue to fall as well. All right, final thoughts, wrapping it up. If you struggle with all the things that I've talked about before about getting, you know, getting the plan, working out what to buy, uh, the discipline to stick to it, then um, you really you, you need, need to get some help because you're not going to you're not going to do extremely well out of the next five, six, seven years out of this amazing opportunity by luck or by uh, rising tide lifting all boats. It's, it's just not going to happen. There's going to be too many crosswinds. There's going to be too many shifts in sentiment. So the vast majority of people really need some assistance with that process. The bottom line is, is this is a life-changing opportunity to uh, to build wealth over the next five to 10 years. And um, you know you, these opportunities only come along once or twice in a lifetime. If you're 20 or so now, you might get another crack at Crack at it, but this is as good as I've ever seen. Portfolio analyst last week was about managing entries into mining stocks, and also we looked at, um, we looked at breadth indicators as well. All right, that's it for this week. More information on the website, there's my email address, and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.